Mac Power Users, Episode 528, The Merlin Awakens. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. I'm Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, Mr. Hackett. How are you today? I'm great. So good. Spring break. And we're we're bringing back the original Mac Power Users guest. Welcome back to the show, Merlin. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's always a pleasure. We're so happy to have you on. You haven't been on since Stephen joined the Mac Power Users and I felt like that was something we needed to remedy. Oh, I'm so glad you did. I don't even recognize the place. You've changed so much in here. Yeah. Well, we changed the paint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We added, you know, we, we're trying to make it more friendly for the, uh, the apocalypse as it approaches. Took down the wharf dolls. Yeah. <laughs> no, we left those up. You <laughs> oh, never know. Nice. <laughs> I had a professor in college, Brady Spitz, I had a professor in college, I might have mentioned this to try and impress Katie, because I always got the sense that she deeply disliked me. And I try and impress her with Star Trek things. She liked and, it. Um, she liked. I, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> RIP to a real one. But I, uh, I, I had a professor uh, in college in the 80s who is, I believe, still considered the premier scholar of the Klingon language. That's cool. And I had a, a psychology and mnemonics class with him. And he was a really cool guy with a neck beard named Lawrence Schoen. Hi, Professor Schoen. How are you? Did he ever, like, give class in Klingon? Uh, you know, the thing is, it's almost like meeting somebody who's a vegan, with all respect, where, like, you're not going to need to ask them if they're a, a vegan. Mm. It's going to come up. And uh, Dr. Schoen often found a way to work in a, a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit of Klingon. One is a bun, two is a shoe, all the mnemonic things. <laughs> I don't know how Klingon works, but thank you so much for having me back. Um, it's, a, it's a thrill to be here. One of my law school professors decided to give us our essay questions in Latin one year, and we didn't like him. We just thought he was a jerk. Mm, that, that seems kind of like a stunt, like a gimmick. Yeah, exactly. If, if exactly. Grey's Anatomy was about attorneys, student attorneys, rather than being, I guess that'd be paper chase, but if it had the same kind of like lack of reality and unnecessary drama, that's the kind of thing they would do on the Grey's Anatomy of law school. Yeah. And then they'd all start making out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't happen. But anyway, it's been too long since we've had it on the show, and we wanted to talk to you today about some stuff. And uh, I, I thought, though, the, the first place we would start, as we like to start with all our guests, is it's been so long since you've been on the show, I don't even know what kind of gear you have these days. Is, is it all Android and, and Windows PCs these days? Oh, yeah. I'm running uh, Tumultuous Turmeric, <laughs> I think is the system. <laughs> no, same old <laughs> busted. Apple ecosystem. Um, I have my 2015 iMac that I'm working on right now, Retina 5K iMac. Um, I love my 11 inch iPad Pro so 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 yeah. much. Yeah. And I've got the um, I got the small version of the fancy iPhone with the three camera things. Is that iPhone 11? Yep. Yeah. 11, 11 Pro. <laughs> and what's the big one called? 11 Pro Max. It sounds oh, nice. like a medication, but it's a phone. <laughs> yeah, right. If you uh, if you get a get a phone of more than four hours, contact your doctor. Um, so I've got all that, and then uh, you know all. So that that's like kind of the primary um, Mac Power user ish gear. Of course, I have Apple TV stuff, a lot of different things. As I imagine, we'll talk about. I've got a lot of um, home automation and voice dingus things. But yeah, um, and so of those. Uh, I love them all. I really do. They drive me crazy, but like, I love this phone. I love this camera so much on this phone. 
it's so it's so bananas to go through and look at old photographs from my Samsung uh, flip phone days and like compare it to now. It's just it's so wild. This, the photos I get at night with this thing are just bananas. That's mainly what I'm using, and I'm I'm in that odd. There's so much of my uh, Mac and tech life where I feel like I'm in this liminal state waiting to figure out what happens next with several things, this uncertainty. Um, so I'm looking at stuff I might get in the future, but that's what I've got now and it's going great. Oh, also as we might talk about, I've got a Synology that I love. Um, but that's my, that's my main Apple stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, I just had a friend who ha- is getting ready to have her first baby and she called me and said, all right, Mac guy, uh, do I get the new iPhone now or do I wait until the end of the year when they come out with the new, new one? And I told her, get the new one now. Cause she's going from an, I think an iPhone five. And Ooh. I said the, the pictures, I feel like last year's camera upgrade, I'm not sure it gets enough credit. It's just so much better than mm-hmm. even the one year before. I mean, we've been taking a lot of pictures lately. We, we added a puppy to the family. So now we have something to shoot pictures of. And just like looking at my wife's camera, which is one year old compared to mine, it is substantially better. I mean, they really jumped this year with the camera quality. I totally agree. Um, you know, uh, something everybody's noticed over time from from your first time on a any kind of a computing device. Whenever you upgrade, you notice things. Whenever you get more RAM, whenever you get you know later on an SSD hard drive or any of those things. There's a funny phenomenon that's probably very explainable through human perception, where you will quickly notice, "Ooh, this is." so much faster and how long is it before you stop noticing how much faster it is in most cases like within a week you're like "Hmm, this is great but it's faster but it's not as mind-blowing as the first time i used it um i think the camera is different um i'm still figuring out what this camera is capable of um in a way that is uh really disruptive so yeah i agree with you it really feels like it was like a three generation jump with this one um, it is interesting though, sometimes like I'm, I'm really struck with certain nighttime photos are just, are just shockingly good. And then other ones, it's, it missed something. And now it's just a big bunch of pixels, but 80% of the time it catches stuff that even my eye can't see, which is not saying much, but no, it's, 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 it's uh, the hardware is in pretty good shape right now by and large, I think. Have you done much with the, uh, with the wide angle camera that's new this year? Just a little bit, um, because the, I got, maybe it's just I'm not used to using a lens like that. Like back on my Canon, I would usually roll with the 50 millimeter, um, and then occasionally, like for vacation, take the, the the cheap plastic telephoto. I had a 28 at one point, but I never did found that much to. I mean, it's kind of a stunt mm. lens in some ways. So, for example, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I never got good at shooting with that much uh in the frame and so it's still very new to me and also as you guys know if you go to any of those the zoomed in or the zoomed out you lose some of the special features you know you can really notice a photo that was taken with the 2x for example it's it looks like a good iphone photo whereas if you take one at 1x uh i don't know all of the tech behind it but it's utilizing those different lenses to do improbably powerful things you take a photo of my my bearded dragon, you're going to see a lot of texture. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, and so my problem is when I go the other night, there was a beautiful full moon and I took these horrible pictures. I could not get a good photo out of it. It's usually so good in the dark, but in particular, I keep catching myself or my fingers in the, you know, the, what do you call it? 0.5. What, what do you call the, the two different lenses? Wide angle. That's what I wide call angle. It. Yeah. So yeah. when I do wide angle, I'll my shadow, my thumb, my other thumb, so I'm still kind of getting my sea legs, but really it's, it, this is 
we've really achieved the dream. I feel like this is something Gruber's talked about for a long time, and I really agree with, which is, you know, it really comes down to how quickly can you take this thing out and go from, I'm not using my phone at all, to having taken several very good photos. And I feel like in many, uh, a variety of ways, on several fronts, they've gotten so good with that. Not least, you take it out, you do the long press on the camera icon, and you're ready to shoot. Or you can use the, in my case with the battery case, it's got that cool little uh, shutter thing on the outside that I have not mastered. But you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, what, what, I, what you really want out of a camera like this, out of a phone camera in particular, is like, I don't want to miss that moment. Right. Where like, oh, I have a second to catch this Mm -hmm. before my kid realizes I'm taking a photo of her and and she, you know, runs away or makes a dumb face. And I feel like we're in really good shape with that. It's so to your friend, to your point about your friend, my gosh, yes. Like to have a to have a kid with this kind of camera, it would be great. Congratulations to your friend. It's nice to have a baby. Yeah, it is. Uh, and at this point in my life, it's nice when somebody else has a baby. Yeah, I hear that. I, I, I think I'd like to have a baby for, I see a baby and I go, I, I, uh, what I do is I see a baby and I go, oh, baby. And everybody's really embarrassed. And sometimes you yeah. notice that online, I see a baby and I go, oh, baby. And that's a very sincere feeling of, oh, it's a baby. And I think I would love 14 minutes with a newborn. And then I'd like to just go back to watching devs and know that I don't have a baby in the house. Well, there's, there's elements of having a newborn that I do not miss. It's totally unrelated. A friend of ours at church adopted a, a baby from a third world country and really saved her life And when you hear wow. her story. And my wife and I were thinking, you know, our kids are growing up. Maybe we should do that. And then we watched a, a family member's baby for a weekend and we realized very quickly that that is a young man's game. I am no longer capable. Oh, it's a young every. I totally and you, um, you. I think I don't know. It's just it's sort of like the great scene in Seinfeld where George is going to get back together with Susan, and you know he's told Jerry before about how he feels when he has to walk up the steps to her apartment, and he's he's so excited that they're back together and can't wait. And then they walk in, and he starts walking up the steps, and there's this wonderful shot of him realizing, oh, this is what I'm back into. It's yeah. nice to have a smart 12-year-old. I like it. I it's I have no qualms yeah. with this at all. Yeah. Um and then the iPad Pro. The iPad Pro is fantastic. It's um uh when did I get it? I guess I've had it for over a year. I don't know. I don't keep track of this stuff, but boy is that ever a capable machine. There's still like everybody, I this is not interesting, but like everybody, I think there are improvements to be made in the software to fuller fully utilize so much of that functionality on there, mm-hmm. but like just for it's the perfect size we're just laying on the bed, looking at the iPad. Like it's, I love it. I love it. So yeah, thumbs up on all of those. And, and I knew you for so many years that that little MacBook Air was inseparable from you. Every time I saw you, you had it in your bag or with you. But I didn't hear a laptop in your description of your current hardware. Oh, interesting. Well, you know, I don't know why I left that out. I have a the new one. I got the 16-inch one. Oh, okay. And uh uh, it's so wild. So that's my, God, I sound like such a fancy lad that I keep at home and, um, over, over 80, 90%, near hundred percent. It's my usage, but occasionally one of the other household members will use it, but I'm, I love it very much. And the odd thing to me, the surprising thing to me is that, um, because I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I got the Marco MacBook pro previously, the two, mm-hmm. 2015 that has, yeah. I think they're sure. called ports ports. Is yeah. that what I, called ports. I remember those. Is it called ports? Am I pronouncing that right? That's antiquated language, man. They, I don't know what you're talking about, but, uh, no, it's terrific. It's, it's big, it's heavy, but boy, is it ever capable. And the irony for me is because I never had the escape key less version, 
alongside never having had the touch bar. I kind of like the touch bar. I do. I, I was surprised. I was so prepared. My expectations have been set so low. Everyone was so hostile about, and I think the hostility really, in some ways, you can tell me, I think some of the hostility came out of, oh, you gave us this dumb touch bar that nobody asked for alongside taking away the actual, actually useful escape key. Um, and even though I'm not a developer or like a big VI user, I do use escape a lot. Like escape is very meaningful for me. Um, and so it's nice though, cause I, so I never had to suffer through that one, two punch. And so I open this thing up, set it up. Oh, and touch ID. Whoa. Call the cops. That is wild. I want that everywhere now. So yeah, yeah. I do have that. And I, and I, and I really do love it. Um, yeah, it's interesting though. I, um, there's been so many, I guess we'll get into this when we talk about text files and stuff, but there's been so many oscillations back and forth over time about, like, do I want a bunch of stuff on this one computer? And like, how much do I trust the cloud for these kinds of things? But I've been super satisfied with it. I got that uh, set app service set up on there. So mm-hmm. it's it's fun to try new apps um, It's and have them on both my machines. And yeah, so that, that's, uh, that's that. Yeah, the touch bar gets a lot of grief from the nerds. And, uh, but I have to admit, I don't hate mine. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm just kind of ambivalent about it. I did. I, use... I thought it was going to get in my way more than it does. My shrink hates it. He always hated it. And he, he has the new 16 inch. He had the old one. Let's be honest. We talk a little bit about my mental illness, but we talk a lot about computers and podcasts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and gossip about people I do podcasts with. Um, but sure. then he, um, as you do, but because he, his problem was he kept accidentally hitting it. And causing things to happen, sort of right. like, sort of like me with the scroll bar on my phone or my iPad, where I'm like, ah, I almost want to like turn off this area because I'm causing all these unintentional uh, gestures. But uh, yeah, it's not perfect, but it is kind of cool. Do you think normal people like it better than nerds? I think so. I think because it surfaces shortcuts and you know things that oh, I didn't know this app could do this until this button lit up. You know, us nerds, we go explore all that stuff. But I think there's a lot of utility for other types of users. Mm-hmm. A, a couple of power tips. Always take the Siri button off because it's just close enough that you trigger Siri accidentally. Uh-huh. And hmm. the other one is get better touch tool because you can customize what shows up there with better touch tool and make it work for you. So this is all news to me. I did not know any of that. Uh, better touch tool, man. It, well, I know it better really touch tool change- from the Brett Terpster got me turned on to that on the Mac a long time ago. My, my, my here, my desktop Mac, I should say, but I, you can like change. I know it dynamically changes, but can, can I change what appears yep. in the, t- <gasps> whoa. Okay. Date and I, time. This has been worth the, on, the journey just for bar. that. Yeah. Date okay. and time right there, baby. Just look down. Got it. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I do think it, it is a little more popular. Like Stephen was saying, I was talking to a, a lawyer friend and exactly that thing. She never figured out, you know, all the keyboard shortcuts, but because they show up when she opens up her favorite, you know, word processing app, she uses the touch bar. It's also interesting, though, like you can tell like so many things. <laughs> I always think this whenever I go to Amazon.com and I look at I've always thought their product pages seem like so weirdly it's like you know the the parable of the what is it the 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 blind man and the camel or the blind man and the elephant where like you just feel that there's everybody owns a different piece of this and gets mostly to do what they want with it without a lot of thought to how it all integrates imdb by amazon same thing we're like what is this what is this weird web salad that i'm dealing with here it's such a strange thing and you i feel like you get that also with touch bar where you're like the conception of how we the design language and the conception of what this is for Vary so much, right? Like I'm not. I have not yet found a use for tiny, 
tiny, tiny images of all my Safari tabs. Yeah, <laughs> <just> not, exactly. <laughs> that has not found a lot of use for me. Um, I yeah. kind of wish you could always have the volume bar on because I do ride that. And boy, do the speakers sound great. I was, I was rocking some Spotify this morning, uh, as you do when you're 53, and uh, it sounded so freaking good. But, you know, I mean, I, I, there, there's a thing. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be a better person, as always. I'm trying to be a less hostile person. Just difficult to do in these times, but I have to say that uh, I'm going to cop a little bit here from CGP Gray. It's nice to see Apple acknowledge that something can be better. So take that any way you want. But like, you know, you could look at that as, oh, antenna gate or oh, this or that. But like, it's nice to see Apple saying, you know, we're not done here. Like, we're still going to work on this. We can still make this better. Um, and even if not every single one of those is a, a bona fide home run, um, I think the CGP Gray part of that, he said something, I don't know, months ago, maybe years ago, that I really stuck with me, which is that he, with Apple in particular, he wants to see progress. He wants to see more progress, right? Like, don't leave yeah. these things screwed up. Don't make Marco Arment sad for that long. It's so difficult. Don't do that to the guy. <laughs> but then what you want also is you don't want him to get it right once, like every two years. You want to see some kind of steadiness of hand to like how things continue to improve. That's what makes you feel real good is to go like, okay, because sometimes it feels like they go, fine, screw you. Here's a new Apple TV. You buy it, you, you filthy animals. We, we know you're going to buy this. Who cares? It doesn't matter if it's improved. Which, well, how much how much uh, drive space do I need? Doesn't matter. Just go buy it. Buy the expensive one, dummy. That's yeah. how it feels sometimes. <laughs> so when you see something like the 16-inch MacBook, you're like, well, I don't know if they meant this to be this good because it's hard to tell anymore what they deeply care about above all else. But, you know, that's the positive side is that when we are seeing progress in their products, that's a positive sign. When we're not seeing that positive motion with their products, it, it can be frustrating. And I think sometimes we lash out. And then the, the slightly negative way to put that is, as I've said just on some other programs, it's difficult sometimes, like say now, to know what it is that Apple cares about more than anything else right now. Whereas with the iPhone for so long, it was clear for their own, you know, selfish, but also, you know, uh, good reasons. Like, we're going to make this thing so good. And like right now, it's like, well, do you, do you super care about Apple TV, the service? Do you super care about Apple TV, the puck? Like, do you super care about the iPad mini? Like, it's, it's really hard to know, like, what, apart from the iPhone, the non-growing market of the iPhone, like, what is it that you're, you guys are, apart from making more money, what is it you're very, very excited about? for the next five years. Like that's when you see that vision and it aligns with how you feel, that's a great feeling. Yeah. And it wouldn't hurt for them to be a little more public facing at this point, but that's going to be hard to change. I think with the culture they have. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of history to, to give up to do that. Right. Yeah. We don't talk about rumors much, but I think this one bears mention uh, this week. Ming Chi Kuo stated that uh, he, you know, the supply chain, blah, blah, blah. They think there'll be a uh, scissor switch MacBook Air and smaller MacBook Pro very soon, like mm -hmm. the quarter two of this year. <laughs> I, who knows if it's true or not? But, you know, we talk about this, it seems like every episode, if you're waiting for the new keyboard, wait a little longer. It yeah. may be coming. Well, what you've done now is you've guaranteed it'll come out between this recording and when it comes out. So thank you. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> you manifested it. It's just like yeah. the wish. So if it's yeah. come true, everybody, uh, thank David on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, man. There used to be, what was that old rule of thumb back in the day? You guys, will, younger people will remember more than me, but the um, that rule of thumb about like how, something like involving six months, like, will you benefit from having this right now? 
we benefit from having this in the next six months? How likely, like, like me, I'll make a confession right now. My confession straight up is I do not need a new iMac Pro. I do not need it. I sound like Quentin uh, Compton in Absalom, Absalom. I don't need it. I don't need it. But I don't need it. But I really super want it. I super don't need it, but I want it. But I feel so, it would be so weird to, I don't know if this is a good time to even think about buying it. And because, and the reason I mentioned that here is that all of your buying decisions, that's a stupid way to put it, all of the things that you think about incorporating into your life and integrating and finding value with, um, when you're an Apple fan, you got to think hard about a lot of stuff, about how that's all going to fit together. And there's just, there's like, there's a thousand little things that you want a good friend to talk you through. Like stuff like, well, how important is AirPlay 2 to me? Or how important is having this kind of, you know, do I, my wife loves having the MagSafe connector, but that doesn't mean she would refuse a new laptop. It's just that everything is so interconnected. The last thing you want to do is spend the wrong $6,000 title, spend the wrong $6,000 on something that's not going to do the thing you want and might be obviated by a different model 31 days after you bought that. Yeah. Yeah, I got no answers for you there. Talk me out of it. Talk me out of this. Tell me I don't need it, please. Be the, you know, be the anti-Marco. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't do that for you. I'm sorry. I've heard they're really good. Do you have one? They are really good. One, right? The Mac Pro is even better. Alexandra got one now too, because she's so, she so admires, I think, you know, you and I, Michael, she wants to be like you. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I'm not, I'm the cock. I'm the one sitting here with a five-year-old computer like a dummy. Just, just go all the way to the Mac Pro. It's a lovely, lovely place to be. If they lock the wheels, I'll buy it today. Okay. What? <laughs> you don't need the wheels. Mine doesn't have wheels. It's fine. <laughs> no matter what I do, Syracuse will tell me that I bought it wrong. It's true. I, I think, I think Stevens <laughs> has treads on it, like a, like a little tank. <laughs> like a tank? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if you had like a, like a four-wheel drive. Yeah. Um, hey, you know. Sometimes it gets muddy in my backyard. I got to get out here somehow. Absolutely. Honestly, Merlin, I'll talk you out of it. Your uh, 2015 iMac is working fine, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. It is, but it doesn't have, you know, uh, USB-C. I feel like this, but the iMac Pro is long in the tooth. I I would wait. Wait six months. I still, it's so funny. It still pops up in my history. I I look at, um, you know, uh, I think it's buyersguide.macrumors.com which I've looked yeah. at for so many years. There might be others out there. There might be others that are better, but it's still in my bookmarks or history. And like, sometimes I'll just go, hmm, I should at least go look at that. And then, yeah. uh, is that still a good resource? Absolutely. They do a good job. They use science. Let's see what it says about the Mac. I says, iMac don't buy. And it says caution mm-hmm. for the iMac Pro. The only Mac that says buy now is the Mac Pro. So join me in Syracuse. Really? You can do it. That'd be great. And then I, I could take all the guts out and live in it when my wife finds out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish I hadn't gotten the wheels. <laughs> if you get the wheels, though, your home can go around with you. So <laughs> That's true. It'd be like living in a shopping cart. M- mobile home. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I could use like me looking cool on a skateboard like Max. Be perfect. I, I, I'm imagining you driving up to like one of those trailer places. You guys got hookups for a Mac Pro? Oh, yeah. Do you do uh, LP gas hookups? Yeah. I need uh, power and Ethernet if you have it. I don't need water. It's, really it's could so use important gigabit. that I empty empty this um, this bathroom really soon. <laughs> Is there a place I could go? Do you have like a well or a, a, a cistern? Because my Mac is full of leavings. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what do you guys want to talk about? 
This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps to get 20% off. 1Password is the password manager that both Stephen and I use in our everyday lives. It's an excellent application that allows you to create strong, unique passwords easily, and all you need to know is your 1Password to make them work. Now, this software has been in development for many years. It's very powerful and just got a great team behind it. And one of the things I really like they've done recently is the development of 1Password for Families. You should sign up for a 1Password for Families account for your family. With it, you can share passwords between family members safely and securely. With 1Password for Families, you can set up separate and distinct vaults so you and your partner can have one vault and your children can have a different one. That way you can separate the bank password from the Netflix password. And with 1Password for Families, you get protection for your whole family. You also get 1Password on the go, which is a web service where you can get your password. So if you're traveling and you lose the credit card, you can get access to that data. It's always up to date. You get the most recent version of the application, and it is a powerful, award-winning 1Password application you're going to get. And also, your family gets one gigabyte of encrypted storage for documents, which you can share and access securely from anywhere. So you could put, for instance, your will, your important medical and financial documents in that secure storage. And if you ever really need it and you can't get access to them on your devices, it's right on the web for you in that encrypted storage. It's just a great way to go. One of my favorite features about 1Password for Families is I've noticed that since I signed up for it, my kids are actually using passwords securely and and making good passwords. They have much better habits than they did before we signed up. And I think that's really useful too. So if you want to learn about it, go over to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps to get you 20% off. You can sign up for a family account today and start protecting your family with 1Password. Thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac power users. Merlin, uh, I haven't talked to you in a long time about home automation. I know that's a big thing for you. Uh, how's it working out? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's, um, it's, it's an interesting time. I mean, um, so what's different from before? I don't know how much we've talked about this in the past, but I can talk about some big patterns. Still, um, in terms of my house, uh, where my family lives, where my children play with their toys, that is still very much a hue household with some other non-hue things. But we went all in on hue, and as renters, that's been great for us, uh, I think. Um, as, I, as I will mention until, until I leave this, uh, leave this plane, uh, it's, if you're going to get into hue, it is so important to pick up some kind of physical switches, like the uh, tap switch or the smart button, which is really cool. They're, they have a great dimmer with magnets on it you can stick on your fridge. Um, so we're all in on hue. We have a variety of voice dinguses. Uh, the way, where I am right now is, um, some ways I'm, I'm, I'm very excited and optimistic about this stuff. Um, for example, with our, uh, previously mentioned, uh, bearded dragon, we have a, a home kit enabled or home kit compliant power strip that makes it really easy to have timers on all that stuff and do automations in home. And it's kind of best of times, worst of times type situation, because the good stuff mostly gets better. And then the, the, the bad stuff continues to hang around or gets discontinued. Uh, the frustration to a lot of this continues to be that um, it almost works together almost the, some of the time, right? All the different devices, even if you're using something like the you know, HomeKit, it's still frustrating that sometimes stuff just stops working or sometimes the a service goes down or the integrations are strange. So 
Um, I know a lot of my friends are there mostly for the HomeKit part. I am not. HomeKit is something that I use but don't love. Um, the other big pattern I feel like is I find myself less and less interested in stuff that really doesn't play well with others. I, I don't have that much interest in buying, <laughs> obviously, buying a motion sensor if it's not going to work with my HomeKit stuff or with my Hue stuff. If You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, there's so much where I have to rely on if this, then that, if I'm lucky. But that feels risky. That's like those businesses a few years ago that would, so they would start businesses based on Facebook. And like, oh my God, that's so risky. And I kind of feel the same way where like, I think Apple will be around for a while. I don't know how much wood they're going to continue to put behind this arrow. Um, I mean, the HomePod's fine. I like the HomePod. It's okay. It's desperately overpriced for what it does. The Siri on it is not that great. The Lady in a Tube works great for me. So yeah, mostly where we are right now is like, if we're in a good state of trying to just keep everything updated, hopefully secure, um, <laughs> turn on two-factor for everything we can. Um, and yeah, it's pretty good, but it, there also just are frustrations. And, and that's, I say that as somebody who's an enthusiast for this stuff, I imagine it must still be very complicated to get started with this. And it's just another one of those tech topics where you really want to get a rabbi that walks you through or a Sherpa who will like walk you through what you're trying to accomplish to try and keep you from wasting 600 to $5,000 on stuff that doesn't do what you actually wanted and ends up being way worse than a light switch with 1940s technology. So that's where we are. Yeah, I feel like the or a good thing we have now is most of the most common home or uh, home automation appliances, there are vendors that are making them that work on all platforms. Like you can find stuff that works with Google, uh, Amazon, and Apple, and it'll it'll work with all three. You may pay a few more bucks for it, but I think that's really the way to go because you do want that flexibility as you evolve this stuff. And that wasn't true even just uh, 18 months ago. It reminds me a little bit of, um, I sometimes get a little defensive about how much of a calendar guy I am. And I get further defensive about trying to explain to people that it's not crazy that I am to calendar apps as uh, iMichael is to reminders apps. I have a farcical number of calendars that I use for different things. But here's here's why I do that. Because I'm using them for different things. So sometimes I just intuitively know I want to open up Fantastical because I, I, it's so easy to enter stuff. Or I know intuitively, oh, I want to do this in regular Apple Calendar uh, because it's just real simple. Based on the day view, based, based on week view, month view, like whatever it is I want to do, I don't have to think about it because the syncing works great, knock on wood. And yeah. so I can intuitively know in the same way that, I mean, to pull out an old analogy, you know, you don't throw out your wallet when you buy a suitcase. You, you know, you don't, you have forks and knives and spoons because it's all, all do different things. You might even have some screwdrivers that are like this and some screwdrivers that are like that. And that's how I feel about my calendars. And that really extends to the home automation stuff where I want something where I can just yell into the air and know that somebody will take care of it. And yeah, I have to hail the right device. And yeah, these ladies in a tube are hailed by ECHO, so they don't conflict with these ladies in a tube over there that are hailed by ALEXA. But all that said, like you do, you will notice points of friction because parts of it will work so flawlessly that it really highlights when it doesn't work that well. And and Siri on HomePod is a real mixed bag for me. Um, beyond mixed bag. Like, I feel like, did it used to work with Spotify and now it doesn't? Am I just confused? Like, what, what, like what's happening with all of these things? You know, it's just frustrating. And then on top of it all, you got stuff like Belkin Wemo stuff where they just like EOL these things. They just go away. And, you know, at the one, on the one hand, they're introducing 
a bridge that lets it work with HomeKit, while on the other hand, they no longer sell sensors. So how do I pair those things? Because once you get into this stuff, these sensors become very important for a variety of different uses. But then if you get the sensors, will it work with HomeKit? Well, maybe, maybe not. Will it be able to do temperature and humidity? Why would that matter? Because maybe I want to be able to turn a fan on at this temperature. Well, yeah, it'll work for that with this, but the Venn diagram of what works totally with HomeKit, totally with all the voice things, and totally with If This Then That or, or Zapier, Zapier, sorry, those are all, there's no, the Venn diagram for that is like looking at the, who owns the Marvel Universe or who owns, you know, all the different, uh, you know what I'm saying? It, mm-hmm. It's, it's yep. desperately complicated. And um, given that some of the stuff does work so well and so consistently, I feel like I really overnoticed the things where there is still friction. So where is it working for you? I mean, what, what are some of your cool automations that are reliable for you at this point? Well, let's see. I mean, so there's, there's a bunch of stuff where it is really just purely set it and forget it stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's stuff as simple as uh, we're, we're going to want a whole bunch of hue scenes to be automated a certain way <clears throat> when we, you know, are going to be out for a few days. Um, and those are the kinds of things that you can call up pretty easily with, um, with schedules or you can, you know what I mean? You can call them up with, um, Siri, um, other stuff that works really great. I mean, uh, hmm. <laughs> God, I don't know. I mean, I hate to compliment any of these people. It's like Mike says about, there's no good email apps. I feel the same way about all this stuff and agree about the email apps. The automation stuff that works great. It's nice that they've made it so easy to create your own automations inside the home app. I mean, I, I still continue to wonder how many people have never realized, not even, no, I'm not even talking about like NFC stuff. There's just so much stuff you can do with these canny combinations and, and little bits yeah. of logic. I'm pretty satisfied with all that stuff. I, I'm satisfied with the kind of monkey stuff I set up years ago where like, for example, when I leave my office, if this then that notices that, turns off my lights, and turns on my dehumidifier, right? Like, what more could I ask for? That's really, really yeah. cool that that works. But you know what doesn't work is that I can't use Amazon Lady in a tube even with a routine. I don't have a way to say one phrase when I leave the office where it will turn off the lights, for example, and arm my ring alarm that's made by Amazon. So there's still these weird, like, wait a minute, are are those not talking to each other? Like, why is there no way to have that stuff integrated better? Like, especially when you own the products. And they're obviously, they love, they love those ring uh, doorbells. Them and the cops love them. But like, there's not a lot of love uh, coming into how that stuff gets integrated. And like, once you get into making those routines, it's very powerful. Uh, well, no, okay, so here's another example is in the morning when I wake up, I can talk to my lady in a tube and I say a phrase and that will turn on all the hue lights in, in the master bedroom uh, to the kind of bluish wake up color, it will turn on my, uh, sat, it's called the sad light, the seasonal affective disorder lamp that I use. And it will start streaming, uh, my local public radio station. So I just say, Hey dingus morning lights. And, uh, it'll do all of that. So that kind of stuff is terrific. And, and it does really work great. And now increasingly, I, I really want to do more stuff with shortcuts, uh, for that. And I've, I've kind of become a little bit of a nerd about shortcuts and so, like, for example, yesterday, there's one getting passed around where that dude made one where you say, you know, hey, dingus, uh, what's overhead? And it's a shortcut that will go and find the nearest plane that's flying over you and tell you what it is. That kind of stuff is great. That's the kind of stuff Google used to be great at. It's just now our developers and pals can be making that and putting it out. But then on the other side, why can I no longer use Siri 
to get a lift. What happened to that? I mean, is this one of those Berenstain Bears situations where, or like uh, the 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 Sinbad Genie movie where like I'm just I'm just hallucinating that you used to be able to request a lift through Siri. I mean, it's on the site. It's it, there's a, a press release about it, but it used to be you know you could say like, hey, give me a give me a lift to school, and it would know to request a lift to my kid's school. So there's just that kind of stuff where like, and how did I, how do I discover that that didn't work anymore? Well, one day it just didn't work. <laughs> like, okay, all right, cool. What what, did I, what what meeting did I miss? But sometimes things just go away. It's it's annoying. I, I agree. I want to get back to Siri in a minute, but just on the automation thing, I always felt like, or at least the way it seems to me, like to put it in nerd terms, like autumn home automation right now is kind of at the you know automator level of automation. You know, on the Mac, remember the automator app, auto the automator, where you can plug a few things together. Absolutely, it's almost. I would say it's almost at the level of your dad making his own hi-fi. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you still really. It's not going to. It's not. It's less about enjoying the music and more about reading the magazines that tell you how to get your transistor set up right. It's definitely not at the level of like Apple Script where you can do anything you want. It's just not there yet, and they need to master the automator level before they can get to the Apple Script level. But it it is something where all the things you describe are are things that are very easy to set up within the home app. But you know, there's so many th- more things we want to do with it. And I'm like you. There's I have these automations I use, and they're great. You know, I walk into my studio, and if it's after ten. Between the hours of 10 and 2 a.m., the lights turn on for me. But if it's other hours, it doesn't. But what if I want to add multiple variables to that? You know, what oh, if I want totally. to say, mm-hmm. like, when my daughter is home and sometimes she sleeps in here, I don't want that to work. And it knows that she's home. It's got all that data, but it won't let me apply that to a rule. So I run, I run into these all the time. I had the sim- what seemed like the simplest thing that I wanted to do. I thought I'd be clever and do a nice thing for my family. So, like I say, we're in the Philips Hue family. That means we use Philips Hue um, switches and sensors and bulbs. And I want, I wanted something that I thought seemed really simple. Now, of course, some Carl Van Hood out there is going to tell me that I'm an idiot and I could do this with Pearl. But the, but I, all I wanted, all I wanted was to have a sensor in the bathroom where after a certain hour, if you walk into the bathroom, it will, um, turn the light on to dim and then it, but it will turn it off after so many minutes. And I instantly ran into all kinds of things where I knew I would need I, I, if I really set myself to this, I could figure it out. But I instantly ran into all kinds of weird things. The weirdest of which being, well, what if you go to the bathroom and you turn the light on all the way, the cassetta or whatever it's called, like you turn the dimmer on all the way, right? Because you want to, I don't know, brush your teeth or, or floss your teeth. Well, the problem is then the motion sensor picks up that you're in there and turns the lights to dim. And now my family hates me and I'm back living in the <laughs> Mac Pro. There's all kinds of instances like that where like, I, I you know, I don't want to have to make a Vatici level of, you know, arrays and switches and if mm-hmm. statements just to be able to do the, the kind of simple stuff. And I always tend to err then on the side of caution of saying like, well, I don't, I, I know how crazy I drove my family before we had switches. It's not fun to be a grown person who has to talk to a lamp. It doesn't feel good. I mean, you're, this is not Beauty and the Beast. This is San Francisco, which is very beastly in its way. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, somebody said this. Who was it? I feel like maybe one of the guys on the Icon Garden said this, but somebody recently said, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's if you, I don't mean this disparagingly, but if you're like a 20-year-old person who lives alone in a studio, you're, you're going to be fine because the studio is, is the thing. If you get one motion sensor, one switch, and the, the logic is if I'm home and it's not... If it's up, you know, up to this hour, do these kinds of things. That's not difficult. 
But one reason I say the scent, this sounds, I'm really probably way too deep here, but one reason I think motion sensors are so, so useful is, first of all, um, geofencing is cool as a feature, but I would certainly not want to depend on it in what I would call a production environment. In other words, like I, I can't tell you how many times Canary missed that I'm home and now the camera's on. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, there's certain kinds of things in life where I could live with that occasionally, but I really super don't want that happening. Sh- is, shouldn't there be a way that I could say, well, couldn't there be, along the lines of the way Dropbox got big, by making a chunk of functionality you could drop into your app that made it easy to integrate Dropbox, boom, you're done. I would love just a handful of easy things that go beyond good night that could say, here's a chunk of stuff that involves like when we're home. Here's all the when we're home things. And we're going to use this array of sensors and geofencing to the best we can determine if you're home. It's just that in the same way you can't prove a negative, you can't, you can't guarantee the functionality unless everybody has all the apps on their phone with location on and it's all working flawlessly. You know what I mean? You, you just run into these really weird things where suddenly your family's in the dark and you're wondering what's going on. Rose and I went through this thing on automators where we've been playing with iBeacons and shortcuts, which seemingly would solve the problem. I mean, you know, iBeacons were made for museums, but you can buy them 20 bucks, put it in your house and it knows when you're close. Much better than map notification, but it's still not there. You know, it's, it's different like, than NFC and different from the ultra wide or whatever that Snell always talks about. What iBeacon is the kind of thing where, oh, I know you're near the Apple store because this low low energy yeah. Bluetooth si- signal picked up your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yep. And you can you can adjust the transmission power so you can get it down to like five feet. Is that a fun thing to play with or is that a silly thing to play with? Like I love the NFC tags. I made a bunch I made a bunch of really cool little NFC things. But like, is it iBeacon? Is that a thing I would want to play with? In answer to your question, is it fun? Is it silly? Uh, the yes answer is yes. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so well, put it this way. If I enjoyed bugging Matthew about things that I could do with NFC, uh, I would also probably enjoy iBeacons. Yes, but get the, uh, there's one brand in particular, uh, starts with an E, I forget it right now. I'll look it up and tell you later in the Looking, show. But okay. E- All right. Emetry, I think I want to say there, there's one, they're a little more expensive, but they, they work out of the box. That's the ones you want. I will get you the name later. I, I didn't, I, I didn't mean to drag this all out, but it's, um, yeah. so if I, so you please, please cut this out of the show because, uh, I, nobody wants to hear me say this again, but there's a phrase that I use sometimes and I know it's frustrating when I say this, but, um, so this will go for a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, I assume, um, which is there's a phrase <laughs> I find myself saying sometimes, which is that everything, everything works perfectly as long as you never really use it. If you never really use <laughs> any of your stuff, it, it works great. You know, it's just, and if that seems like a silly and dismissive thing to say, you don't use your Apple TV as much as I do because Apple TV will work great as long as you don't need it to be good or actually work. There's so much stuff where, in the same way that, like, perhaps there's only one way in life in which I really am like a hardworking carpenter, which is I really do push the limitations of a lot of, a handful of things in my life. And I really expect them to stand up to it. The same way, like, there's a reason I buy, like, a, a nice knife or I buy, like, these OXO kitchen things. So it's like, I don't want to have to get these terrible versions of this that don't really work. I want production quality stuff that I could, I, could, I am the craftsman of whatever it is that I do. And I want that stuff to really work great. It's just that when you get up to that, when you're saying like, oh, you know, are you selling such a, like a bad sport when you say like, oh, it's really frustrating. This thing doesn't work with that thing. And all the cameras that want to preserve your privacy also like there's not that many that, that will do cool stuff. All the stuff that does cool stuff with like, like geofencing and things like that. Like a lot of those don't work with HomeKit. 
like the wise camera, like all these different ones, like it's cool. And like, that's great that that goes onto an SD card, but it doesn't work with other stuff. Well, that's fine. You just, no, it's not fine because I want all the things to work great together. I want to be able to trust this in the same way that I would trust a regular light switch or water coming out of my tap. I mean, yeah, privilege, privilege, pounds on privilege. But you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's where I want to get to. And yeah. so uh, to wrap all of that up, I guess, I feel like, I feel like sometimes it's easy to roll your eyes at folks who are actually using um, this stuff at any kind of scale. I imagine, uh, Stephen, I imagine it's the kind of thing you run into with a lot of stuff where like you're trying to run a business and speed matters and getting this thing out matters because you got You can't do the next thing until you've done the first thing. And it's like, you know, how would you feel about having, I don't know, like a Casey List computer, like having a computer where it occasionally just stops working and you're not sure why. And then it stops for a while and then it works again. I don't want brakes that mostly work as long as you don't drive too far. Yeah, I want <laughs> brakes that do exactly what a brake does. If I learn to use right. the brake and I apply it, like what's the most difficult thing I'll have to learn? Well, you learn that these, these kind of new brakes are different than those old brakes. Do not pump them. Just push steadily. But I want that brake to always work. And uh, I don't have that high of expectations for that many things in my life, but that is the bar for me with Apple products is I want it to be as dependable as brakes. And when it's not, I, I don't want to be shamed for pointing out that I just drove into just drove into a 7-Eleven because eh, whatever, <laughs> sensor didn't pick up, geofence yeah. didn't work. Oh, sorry, Canary got your balls. Should have had the sensor on. My bad. Well, it's one thing if it's lights in the hallway or something, but now you can do smart locks and security systems. And, and that, right. that's really when it's got to be bulletproof, right? Like I would not trust geofence to lock the door to your house. It's like, I, I want oh, that to I, be I totally agree. something that fires a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Was it Bill Gates that said computers need to be like toasters? I, I don't remember who said it, but I, I always think about them in the back of my mind when we get these features and so rarely do they actually get to toaster reliability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two analogies that uh, I guess pretty much everybody falls back on that are that are both very important um, analogies or examples of like dependability. <laughs> now with the infrastructure in this country, uh, I don't know, but like um, you know, what's the joke? My friend and I used to a guy I did web web stuff with in the mid '90s. We used to talk about how young the web was and. There was still so much variability in like who could get to anything in 1996, for example, right? Like there were some people who were on a T1 or a T3. There were other people, they were on a, let me put it this way. There are people in colleges that were on a T1 or a T3 24-7. Their Mac could be a web server in their dorm room. They're 18 years old and they're running a web server for free. How is that? That's insane. Whereas you have people over here, maybe they're a little older, setting aside the folks who had never even been on the internet, there are people getting incredibly spotty dial-up um, on an as-needed basis, because if you had a bunch of people in the house, you didn't want to tie up the phone, right? So what everybody could get or expect <clears throat> was so different back then. But the joke my friend and I used to make is the web will never get big until it's as dependable as, let's say, cable TV. So like there's nobody, and the joke we used to make is nobody turns on NBC at 8 o'clock on Thursdays and gets 404 friends not found. Yeah. Like that's, that, that's, that's the kind of dependability that you're looking for. So the two analogies are on the one hand, yeah, having the hardware stability of something like a hammer <laughs> or something, you know what I mean? Something that is like utterly like unfailable. And then on the other side, having something that is like what we've typically thought of as a utility, where unless you live in Florida, you generally have power most of the time. And you know what I mean? You, you don't hit the light switch and say, 
there's an 80% chance this will work. And I think that's I think that's kind of the bar for what everybody secretly kind of wants. And we find ourselves gravitating toward the things that we trust at that way above 80% level. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes any sense, but I think that's that's the bar for a lot of folks. And at the same time, we constantly want it to get better, faster, and more powerful, which I, I can understand the challenge for the yeah, people more, making more the ambitious, stuff. more ambitious, more yeah. feature rich, but you don't want to give away the dependability where like yeah. you don't want to see a regression pop up because you added a new way to share this, which is a, obviously what every app wants to do is have you share things, but like, don't create a regression that screws me up. Like I opened gyroscope the other day, God bless them. And I had an open gyroscope for gyroscope is an app that among other things, um, lets you do your own personal, like sort of location tracking. Um, I think it's slightly Facebook related, but the point being it's been real solid for a real long time. Um, and then I opened it the other day. Um, and it thought that I'd been at a shrine auditorium for the last four days contiguously. <laughs> now, now, who knows? Who knows why? You know, uh, tears and rain. <laughs> I have a VPN that's never screwed it up in the past, but who knows? But like, I would not want to find out, to your point, Stephen, I would not want to find out that oopsie doopsie, my door's been unlocked for four days and there's no button to hit that says, why, why do you think I'm at a shrine auditorium? Mm-hmm. Like I need, now that's me. That's on me to go troubleshoot that. Well, who cares? Who cares where you were? Well, that's true. But I do care that my door is locked. Or I do care that like the water detection dingus will work or any of those other things. Even having stuff where like my alarm went off at the office and I was so embarrassed, I immediately called my my office landlord, who's a great guy. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I hope that didn't bother any tenants. <laughs> and the wonderful irony was no one noticed it. So on the one hand, you're like, yay, I didn't bother anybody. But then on the other hand, you're like, oh, I didn't bother anybody. What's the point? Yeah. (laughs) What's the point? Yeah. So basically, it just creates anxiety and work for me. It can't be automated. And when it does work, it doesn't actually work. So maybe Apple should acquire them. (laughs) Enjoy. Uh, Hey, you like that Hulu app? You want to watch Hulu? (laughs) Have fun. First, you must answer my riddle and play a little video game. Can you (laughs) scroll horizontally perfectly? We'll find out soon. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. The Text Expander, you just type a handful of letters and you get these snippets. And snippets can be simple, things like your phone number or email address. They can also be more complex, like customizable long forms with fill-in fields and automatically calculated dates. Text Expander works everywhere you type without special plugins. This means you can use it in email word processors, spreadsheets, web apps, services, iMessage, and so much more. Businesses like yours and like mine can use Text Expander every day to manage and share snippets with employees. It's really great in the sales process. You can have like language used between your staff so you know you have consistent messaging going out to potential clients. Text Expander is hosting webinars every month. For instance, Power Tools for Customer Support Professionals with Help Scout that took place in March. And Text Expander for beginner, advanced, and even teams. You can check those out at TextExpander.com. Text Expander is available for macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And show listeners get 20% off their first year. Just visit TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more and save that 20%. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for supporting the show. Do you guys hear a dog barking? Mm Mm-mm. Good. Mm-mm. All right. Tell me again, what's the dog's name? What's the dog's name? Uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. And what kind of dog? 
Uh, Labradoodle. Oh, precious angel. It looks yeah. like brown popcorn. Yeah, it looks like my kids think it looks like a chicken nugget. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I'm my brother, my brother and me, they have a regular feature Justin does called um, Lunch Squad, where he reads the best of, um, best of fast food press releases. Kentucky yeah. Fried Chicken is doing a co-brand with Crocs. And you can now buy Crocs that look like fried chicken <laughs> and have detachable scented fake chicken parts on them. It's the most upsetting thing you will yeah, see today. Our society's fine. <laughs> no, that's that's good. You can get in there and pre-order. Um, the main thing, the main feature of the press release was describing how many times they talked about how, oh, look at that angel. <gasps> oh, David, give me your dog. Nope. Okay. All right, we're back. All right, Merlin, you have a bit of a reputation around here as being the plain text guy. I'm curious if the tools you've used have changed over the last couple of years. Yeah, I th- this is like an original old school MPU topic. Uh, back to the days of my my crazy. Again, I probably totally overwhelmed Katie with all of my insane abbreviations and stuff. But yeah, so for years I've used uh, plain text files synced via Dropbox to just have a whole bunch of lightweight text files move from place to place. What's changed about that? Uh, I still I still do that. So the stuff that has not changed at all is that I still use Dropbox to sync. Do, 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 do. 1,660 text files. And these are mostly um, uh, .md, like multi-markdown files mm-hmm. and task paper files and the occasional just plain text files. I use this for all kinds of stuff. I use it for reference things. I use it to remember how Dr. Drang says to remove duplicate uh, items in the open with menu. I use it for, you know, little snippets of code. I use it for show notes for all my episodes that don't use Google Docs, et cetera, et cetera. It's been great, lightweight. Ever since Dropbox got good, it's been really reliable. And so historically, that's been something where I use NVAlt on my um, computers, my Macs. And I use, I've historically used Editorial on um, iOS. And uh, it works really great. And it wouldn't work great if it weren't for Dropbox being great. Um, and, you know, obviously, I, I don't want to get super into like what things Dropbox does today that's really lame. But what I can tell you is this, is they got good at something everybody else had a problem with, which is... It doesn't fail very often, and when it does fail, it's really obvious that it failed, and you can fix it. So if you start noticing that you're actually editing a file called conflicted version, which should be my memoir, when, you, when you're in that and it says, <laughs> if you find if conflicted is in the title, guess what? It's confused, and it's letting you know that it's confused, and it's saying, here's how to fix it, right? That's been so great for so long. But that was, that's really what I've been using for 10 years, I think, ever since I left uh, using SimpleNote. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so what's changed? What's changed is now, again, I'm in that liminal state, uh, that maddening liminal state, uh, updates up. So, well, iCloud got good. Uh, iCloud didn't used to be good and it got good. And now iCloud syncing has gotten, it's not perfect and God almighty, why is it only downloading? We've talked about this on Slack. Why is it only downloading some of these files sometimes here and then other places there? And, oh gosh, I guess I need to click that little arrow to tell it to all, What? But with that said, syncing files has gotten better. What else has gotten better? Oh, Dr. Drafts. Drafts on iOS. And thank you, Jeebus. Drafts on the Mac. And they all support the actions. And that is all so great. Task paper hasn't moved much, but that's what I love about task paper. I still love using task paper. Now, now where's the problem in all of this? I thought you liked OmniFocus. Yes, I still like OmniFocus. But 
I really like task paper for my day-to-day. Like, here's just the stuff I have to do today stuff. I just, let me have that. That's what I use it for. Here's my gating factor. My gating factor is a single use case that I need to rid myself of, and I can go completely all in on something better. And that is this. I still like to edit edit my task paper to-do list, which is just called today.taskpaper. I like to be able to edit it in the task paper app when I'm on a Mac. But, oh, I'm sorry, this is so boring. I'll make this fast. There's ramifications. Because if I, if, if I want to go all in on drafts, well, drafts only does iCloud sync. It doesn't do Dropbox link, uh, sync. I don't have a way to use the task paper app if I go off of Dropbox. Also, editorial, I think, I think for practical purposes, editorial is not moving too much anytime soon. I think so, yeah. But yeah. editorial still has good task paper support. And as much as I love drafts, um, editorial has that built-in thumb on the right side for each line, which makes it, you know what I'm talking about, where it's so easy to uh, rearrange lines. You know what I'm talking about? In editorial, there's a a thumb, that's what Syracuse calls. There's a little thing you can click on for each line that lets you drag up and down to change where a line is. The way that I would use, what do I use on here? Oh, the way that I use control command up and down arrow on a Mac right? All those little things. So what I need to do is put on my big boy pants and I need to go all in on drafts everywhere. Probably Greg has even very kindly added some features that I think very much had me in mind in terms of now adding, um, interactive ability to, uh, to click, to click, tick off an item in a task paper, uh, syntax thing. I still, but I still use OmniFocus. I still use notes for things with my family, but I, what, I, what I need to do, and this is becoming like me finishing Millennium Actress for reconcilable differences, I really need to go all in, all the way on drafts, suck it up, figure out how I can deal with it, um, and just probably leave some of the Dropbox syncing stuff behind. Or I could just be smart and ask myself how much of this I actually need. Could I actually get away with doing this in notes? The answer for that for now is mostly no, I think. Are you a big notes guy, Stephen? Remind me. Is it Mike? Was Mike the big notes guy? Uh, no, I think we both are. I've got four hundred something things in there. I, and that's I sort manageable. Of, you feel like that's manageable? I do. I mean, I use a lot of folders and subfolders, though. Like if it were all mm-hmm. in one pile, I would lose my mind. But the reason I sort of abandoned the system that that you use that used to be how I <clears throat> how I lived is that I, I wanted to have images and stuff in line with some notes. And yes, so I, I like the sort of mixed formatting. But the problem with notes is you don't have your hands on your files. Like you just have a folder full of text files that you can. Exactly. It's why you can do what you're doing. I can use this app here, this app there and mix and match notes. You're just in the notes world. Same thing with bear or simple note for the most part, or you mm-hmm. sort of living inside their app container the whole time. I also, something I wonder if this is underutilized or I just like to think that I'm smart, but um, uh, something I always want to mention to folks, if you're not using this, um, first of all, you can share your notes with your friends and family, which is great. So here's a use case. Uh, it's November. Christmas is coming. What do we want to get our kid for Christmas? Always create a new note, right? And it's called, you know, uh, our kid's name, Christmas 2021. And there's three sections. There's a section at the top. So three bolded, you know, H2s or whatever they are. Um, section at the top is we bought it and it's wrapped. The next section is uh, we, we bought it and it's not wrapped. And then the next one down is ideas. Now, why do I do it that way? That seems kind of weird. Well, Because there's such a powerful thing you can do, which is if you're on a page in Safari, no matter where you are, your phone, your Mac, wherever, you just hit that little up arrow and you send that to your notes app as a card. 
Now, I know you guys know this, but even power users out there may not realize how powerful this is. And why is that at the bottom? Why is ideas at the bottom? Because it makes it so easy to append to that document with cards. Mm -hmm. And it's all in one place. It's super easy. We've used this for trip planning. This is the kind of thing that's great, like in a demo on stage, if they still have those in the future. Is that is, that's a great use of that. It's like, hey, we're planning a family trip. Drop all that stuff in here. Or going into maps and doing collections. So powerful. I wonder how many people know that's a new thing that's amazing. But that's but at the same time, what you said, Stephen, is I, I I don't know if I really want to like give up my finder stuff, right? But I, sh- I should probably look at that if I had any sense. I don't need this. What am I doing with all of this? <laughs> I I can almost guarantee you will not be happy using notes as your only place for all your your precious text. I just just for that letter A, lowercase letter A. Ooh, such an ugly, such an ugly letter. <laughs> <laughs> but I think notes does work for that. Like we use shared notes for trips and I like when I'm researching something, I want to like, I want to plant something new in the garden. I'll have a bunch of pictures and links and a note, but mm-hmm. uh, like you, I also have a lot of text Merlin. Uh, one of the things I wanted to clarify, cause I know we're going to get email on this is you can reorder paragraphs and drafts, you know, that feature in editorial you were talking. You go to, but you have a, a button and another button. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's very powerful. It's just that because I live I basically live a bullet and tab lifestyle. Like so much of what I do for everything, whether that's test paper or whether that is show notes is like, I really think in outlines. And so it just makes it, I really need a, having a tab key and having an up and down key right there is really huge for me. Cause again, if you, now if you change the level of indentation, like that you're now you're doing a lot of clicking if you're on iOS in particular, but yes, thank you for that note. Um, dra- drafts is, I mean, I just cannot say enough good stuff about drafts and about Greg in general. Um, like for example, I just added, um, a great, I had never seen this before. I don't know how I missed this, but there's a really cool, I think it's called super parse in fantastical, but basically a dude made a set of actions or, or an action that will let you just have a list of stuff and send it using like even the slash trick from fantastical. You can have a bunch of items in a list and send it with, um, priority level with, alarm time with, you know, slash reminders or slash home or whatever. You hit one button, it sends all of those into reminders. And like, that's really powerful. Like, even if you just use drafts to just type a bunch of stuff, that's, it's great at that. But like, there's so much under the hood of drafts. And then I really trust that app. I really trust that developer. And it's ponderous to me that I haven't gone all the way in on it. And then NVL is still, still scratching the itch for you on your Mac. Yeah, mostly. I, I'm... I'm going to get in trouble if I say anything. I'm going to return to the new version of that when it's done, 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 done. But I, yeah. I'm still on the old ideas. I was running into stuff. It's not done yet. So when it's done, I'll go return. But yeah, for now, I am on old school NB Alt, and it is really very good. I think I never really recovered from the first time I used the search or create field. Like yeah. the idea, the, the concept of that is so par- paradigm changing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's changed the way. For example, all the way back to the very old episodes we did with Katie. Like, why do I use all these wackadoo ways of naming things? Well, because it's incredibly consistent. It's a no look app. I know that if I type these letters, it will autocomplete to find just these things, and that is that is just so powerful. And uh, it's also it ends up being like, yeah, it's good for searching. It's good for creating. It's also good for like, do I remember correctly what episode number we're on right now? Well, I just go to whatever the last note was and change everything after the the last uh digit of that so yeah. anyway yeah still still nvl yep 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 are you using nvl uh not as much to tell you the truth i my system these days is largely drafts and apple notes for that mm-hmm. that type of stuff um 
big writing projects, I usually write in Ulysses. But the mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of drafts, but when they came to the Mac, it really brought it to a new level for me. Absolutely. Well, and, and it's, there's still it's it's still it's like black magic to me that like I don't know anything about how development works, but I, I know enough to suspect that it there must have been some acrobatics to taking a bunch of legacy actions built for iOS and then having them also work on a Mac. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You don't, you don't have to be the smartest development genius in the world to go, wait a minute, Macs and iOS are different in lots of ways. Like the APIs are different. There's all these different kinds of things. How did he figure out how to make those things work? Is it, I have no idea. Do you, I mean, how Frank's is it really that I smart. load up, I load up Rose, Rose made an amazing, as I'm sure you know, she made an amazing set of stuff primarily focused on people who want to make stuff in drafts and then move it into OmniFocus. And uh, she made a toolbar and an action set and there's little icons and it's like, it's just this entire little ecosystem. You click a button, it installs and hi, I'm your new ecosystem. Thanks, Rose. That's insane. How does that work on both? But it does. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really am a fan of what he's done. And, you know, we talked about this in the last couple episodes, so I don't want to go on. But, you know, this new app everybody's excited about is Tot, which is great. It's a simple text editor. It does a lot of things. I don't get it at all. I really super don't get it. Me either. Me oh. either. <laughs> I love it. I can. I look at that, and that to me is one of those uh, phrases I learned from my dear friend Adam Lissagor many years ago. Lots of people know this phrase, but he taught me, that's not for me. That's the phrase. It doesn't mean I there hate you it. Go. It doesn't yeah, mean yeah. I'm mad that you like it, but that's not for me. But... Uh, it's, I could see it being very up Gruber's alley. That's so Gruber all over it. Um, the, but like stuff like bear, like, eh, that's, that's cute. That's cute. I like it. I get why people like it. Not for me. Uh, for example, though, the combination of NV alt and marked two is still very powerful Two Brett Terpster related joints, but I yeah. love marked two. There's no reason he could, there's no reason he needed to make that app so good and so powerful and so configurable when it's an app that almost nobody but me needs. It's so wild that he made it that good. So Mark II by Brett, I think exclusively by Brett, is where you can point it to, you can point it to a given document or to a folder of documents. Um, if you point your current document to it, I have Command-Shift-E when I'm in NVL, and that opens it and that marked, and I get near real-time rendering of whatever I'm writing in Markdown in NVL. And it's really, really powerful. You get these beautiful different templates that are just gorgeous, you also get stuff like, um, if you're using both these apps, you get stuff like, you know, does everybody know that you can include files? Like there's a, there's a little, like a, uh, kind of like a greater than a symbol. Do you guys, guys know about this? How you could, if you didn't want to use something like Ulysses, you could write different chapters in different files in NVAlt and it, it cats those into one big document, which you can then look at it and mark table of contents, like all of that stuff. It's, it's so powerful, but guess what? It's still like a, what, a 3K text file. Yeah, and he continues to improve it. I mean, there it seems like every time I check in with Brent, he's got something new for Marked. And, and also, if you're a SetApp subscriber, Merlin early, uh, talked about that earlier, you get IndieAlt. Just log into SetApp and so download crazy. it, and you're good. He does the same thing with Bunches, where like, again, this or Bunch, where like, this is an app that nobody but me needs, probably, but Bunch is, it's classic Terpstra. So this is basically an app where you make have a text file. You guys have used this, I assume, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I don't know if your listeners would know, but like, so a bunch, you go in, you take a text file, and there's a little very simple lightweight language where you go in and say, when I click on this, this it's called a bunch, like a dot bunch. When I click on, double click this, um, I want it to launch this website. I want it to open this app. I want it to quit this app. 
I want it to do all these, or there's even parameters that you can set for like settings for things. So I have one called Start Podcast and I have one called End Podcast. And every freaking time I look at that jerk's page, he's added more amazing stuff to it. Like who, who is, who cares this much about an app that does such an esoteric thing? But like, damn Apple, how about you guys care that much about HomeKit? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's a phrase I like to use sometimes, so much unnecessary beauty. There's so much unnecessary beauty and care in so many of these things that people like Greg and Brett and Rose make that, like, you just kind of want, like, man, guys, pull up your pants and get a job, Apple. Do your job, sir. Anyway, Brett's a genius and I love him. Um, So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, liminal state, guys. I'm still trying to figure out all of the things but here's the thing. We, we get how we are. We get things set up a certain way. You get to be old and crotchety and your knees hurt like I do. And I, you know, I, I have flights towards stability. Like I just want stuff that's going to work and not break and not be weird. And like, I really want it to not break and not be weird if it's Apple in, in, in particular. But it is kind of wild how the most trust that I have in some ways is in, in folks like Chuck or in people like, you know, uh, Brett, because I really see them putting effort and love into this stuff in a way that not everybody does. Again, another phrase that I sometimes get in trouble for is you don't love this as much as I do. And I can tell like sometimes when I use certain things, I go like, "Mm." like Eero, you guys love this. Don't you? I can tell you love this because you've made your app so good. And then you know what you did? You made the app even better. Like the people who make the app for my, uh, (laughs) my cat litter device. I don't know. I don't know if they love the cat litter device as much as Zero loves Zero. And it shows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh boy, you know, you, you've reached a low point. My wife got us this very costly litter robot because she knew how tired I was of picking up our incontinent cats pee and poop all the time. She's the coldest, wettest pee that has ever been peed. And I, I got so sick of it. For two months, we've had this thing. We've just received our third unit. Right. Cause all of these are broken, but I also had to like sort of like persuade them along the way that it wasn't working. And they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, there was some dust in the warehouse and that got into the IC board or whatever. I'm like, Oh, oh okay. I guess I could have figured that out by turning it off and on a bunch. Like, okay, we'll send you a new unit. All right, cool. So we just got our third one and it's working. Also, did I mention the cat does not use it? We pick the cat up, we put her into the thing. So that, that's where I am now. So I've gone from having to pick up pee and poop to still continuing to pick up pee and poop Except now it's not in a litter box. It's on the floor because she doesn't want to use it. But guess what? I'm also a shade tree mechanic for an Internet of Things device where I get to sit on the floor in front of the cat litter and turn it off and on. And then I'm supposed to use Pledge in the inside of it to make sure it'll turn freely. And, oh, you also need to re-empty the box because if it thinks the... This is no way to live, guys. It's no way to live. Love everything as much as Brett does. That's good life advice. Yeah. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Hover. Make a name for yourself and get 10% off any domain name. Just go to hover.com slash MPU. We're going to take a quick break to talk about Hover, one of the show's longest running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? For a ton of entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap because your business starts with a domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy so the bad guys don't get your information, 
a very clean user interface, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting a business. In fact, that's true for me. Before I was even willing to admit to myself that I was going to go out on my own as an attorney, I bought SparksESQ.com at Hover. And I don't know, there was just something about it. I bought it, it felt good, and that was maybe the first step I took towards my independence. And that is always a little special to me. Another nice thing about, I liked about Hover was I was able to buy domains for my kids. I have both of my children have their names with the .com uh, that I bought for them when they were very young through Hover, and it feels really good. I think that's a great gift for people uh, when a friend of yours maybe has a, a child, buy the domain for a few years and hand it off to them so they've got that domain as they grow up. We know you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box, so I know you'll appreciate Hover. Their user interface is really simple and clean and easy to navigate, and you can buy your domain and start using it today. Just go to hover.com slash MPU. That MPU is important because it gets you 10% discount on all new purchases. Once again, that URL is hover.com slash MPU. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of the Mac Power users over all these years and Relay FM. All right, real quick before we move on, uh, that iBeacon you want is the emit, uh, the Estimote Beacons. We'll put a link in the show notes. That's Great. the one. It comes pre-configured. That's your most likely path to success. And if you want to learn a bunch about it, listen to Automator's episode 39. And we'll put a link to that into Rose and I Go Deep. Thank you. Apple TV, you mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear about your problems with Apple TV because uh, I think I am one of those those dummies that doesn't use it enough to know where it fails. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, although this I do is, hate the remote. Let's not I bicker will and say. argue about who killed who. This is a happy time. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's in some ways it's a, a really neat, really powerful device. Um, well, let me just talk uh, talk turkey. Um, so I've, I've made enough noise about my frustrations with Apple TV. Let me put it this way. We have a pretty nice two and a half, three-year-old LG TV the part that's frustrating is that the built-in webOS software on the LG TV is kind of better than Apple TV at a lot of stuff. Uh, it's more powerful. It does stuff the Apple TV can't do. That, that, that Netflix has 4K. Or, excuse me, that, um, rather, YouTube, YouTube has 4K. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Apple and Google are like in a war over the codec to use. And the so codec, if you have an Apple exactly. TV 4K with a 4K television, you get 1080 yeah. YouTube. So sorry. Yep, yep, which is not a huge deal, but you know, you asked. So that there's things like that. There's things like um I do this very odd thing where like I comes I blow through all of our bandwidth every month and I wanted a combination of using less bandwidth and much higher quality movies. So movies that I get or rip, I I put on hard drives and I bring home. And so I can have an 80 gig 2K, excuse me, 4K um 2K, depending on how you count it. You know, anyway, HD, UHD, 4K movie, running off a hard drive. Friends, you, you have not lived until you have watched your movie files off of a hard drive rather than streamed. Because I don't care. I'm not even just talking about HBO's crappy stuff. I'm not talking about, God, watching devs when there's there's so many artifacts because of this fuzziness on the screen, no spoilers. Um, it's maddening. But you watch, you, you can like watch this like right there, like off of a hard drive? Well, yeah, because it's got tons of HDMI ports on this TV and it's got USB ports. So I can plug in, guys, an eight terabyte Seagate drive, $140. 
Did I say eight gigabyte? Eight terabyte. Eight terabyte hard drive for $140. Maybe you guys aren't old enough to appreciate how insane that is. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll deliver in two hours. So you go and you plug that in. Boy, that's really powerful. Like, well, what does it have to do with Apple TV? Apple TV has always been a vending machine that does other things too. Mm. Uh, it really has all along been a vending machine, which is in some ways very good. If the main thing you want to do, like a lot of us did for years, if the main thing you want to do is buy a season of Monk or buy a Superman movie or whatever, it's, it's fine for that. And it streams fine. That's all. That's great. If the future of TV continues to be apps, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. Um, because there's still, this, this was a whole ongoing thing on Rectus for the longest time of like getting different results when you do different things, different ways. Well, that's the way you hail it with Siri. I'll find that for notes, but we had a long research project of trying to figure out what different results you get and why based on that crazy frustrating. Um, and then, I mean, how can I put this? So you've got the power of something like the built-in LG apps. You could have, you could instead go for simplicity and get, the Roku, right? You could go for not very expensive and still does a ton by getting an Amazon device. It's like, what is Apple TV best at right now? I don't know. Again, do they care intensely about that? Well, I do. And like I having to go through the TV app is such a mixed bag. And the way it doesn't seem to understand which services I have or want, why do you keep wanting me to watch this on stars if I own it? Like what, you know what I mean? There's just so many things about those little, sort of like we were saying with the Amazon webpage or an IMDb webpage. It just really feels like the Apple TV is not really super well integrated, even amongst their own apps. Parts of it can be very, very good. I'm not even getting into the third-party apps. I would like to fire the Hulu app into the sun. But even on their <laughs> own apps, it's really frustrating. If like the TV app on your Apple TV for your TV will work fine, mostly especially if you don't want to treat it like a cord cutter. But if you're a cord cutter, so we have Hulu, we got expensive Hulu, we've got Amazon, we've got Netflix, we got HBO, we got all the different things, and we own many, many, many above, let's just say above 100 movies on Apple. And I'll tell you, man, increasingly, I just find myself wanting to use the LG unless I got to do something that's Apple stuff. Mm. So I still, think it's, I still think it's good. I still think it's got room for improvement. I just, I haven't figured out like what needs to be different and then I'll shut up. What needs to be different to make this thing really good? What, what improvement would make this really good? I don't know what it is. The third party apps need to get better, but also Apple needs to get their head right about who they want to delight with this. Cause I can't figure out who loves using an Apple TV right now, whether you're the person using it just when you're on vacation at the house or whether you're the person who's trying to use it as a cord cutting substitute, I don't know who loves it. One of the things I wonder about is exactly how much leverage do they have over the content providers? Cause I'm with you. The apps are a real mixed bag and often really terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Disney plus is a good example. They were working on that for two years, setting up Disney plus and the app shipped and it was horrible and it's getting slowly better, but it still has. What didn't you like about it? Uh, no, I like, don't mean to challenge you, but like what? Well, when what in it particular? first started, it didn't show you your recents. Uh, oh, right. When, it was, really, it was when a little bit underfeatured, underfeatured, sort of. Yeah. And then, like, it wouldn't remember the place. So we'd start watching a movie and then we'd come back to it and it'd start from the beginning again. Uh, we had tons of problems with the app and it, it is getting better, but I feel like this is a thing. That oh, has, right. The thing Syracuse talked about where it didn't remember where you were, full stop. Yes, I do remember that. I don't know. Did he have that on Disney Plus too? That's where I had it. But the oh um, yeah, it was on Disney Plus that it just didn't. It didn't know like you had you had watched episode one and two, 
and part of episode three. And it would just say, here's episode one. Yeah, well, we were getting episode three at the beginning in that case, but that's bad. That's bad. But I just feel like you know, it, in the old days, Apple would have brought their own editorial hammer down before that app shipped and said, "This isn't good enough." I feel like that there was a time where Apple. I mean, I you remember the story about Steve Jobs calling the Google guy at home on Sunday because yeah. he didn't like the color of the E in the Google logo, or calling who was it he called about because he didn't like the way his TV worked, like yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I just feel like they're letting this stuff get through and maybe they don't have enough leverage to to insist on it. But if they want to be the company that's known for the good user interface, that has to trickle down to the apps too. And especially on something like Disney Plus, which is as big as it was, I would have even seen them throwing their own resources at it. Like, how can we help you make this look better on our device? You know, we want the Apple TV version to be better than the one on the stupid TV operating system you buy. Yeah. Well, they can't even get all these media companies to play ball with it being in the TV app, right? So yeah, some third-party content is in the TV app, but a bunch of it isn't, right? If you want to go watch Amazon Prime Video, it's there, but you want something on Netflix, you got to go into their app, which looks the same everywhere and is you know has good and bad things about it. I just wonder, like, in addition to who loves it, I have the same, the same question, and I use one as a cord. Well, a cord never, 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 never had cable. <laughs> Um, never, but like they're they're kind of on a on thinning ice, right? Because these the TVs, yes. When when I bought my TV, the smart up stuff was terrible. You know, six, seven, eight mm-hmm. years ago. But now, like you said, they're actually always, it's always it's always the 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 bottom of the barrel. Like the old Vizio we had was just comical. It's like if you ever if you ever um, say a great trick a, a listener told us on Back to Work is there's this one particular brand I think it's called Interset. You can get a universal remote that's super easy to set up. So if you ever travel and you're going to a hotel room, you get to have your own <laughs> clean remote that also will let you access a ton of stuff. Your ac- the, the, the cheesy remote might not. So that kind of interface, right? It used to be that it would look like you were setting up a VGA monitor about mm-hmm. that level of, of, you know what I mean, of sophistication to the menus. But not anymore. I mean, everybody, everybody's catching up fast and... A call back to me here. Um, everybody cares. Like those other companies super care right. about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I, I just wonder what the long-term game for Apple and that business is. I do too. I, I do too. And, you know, this again, boy, I'm so sorry. I feel like all I, I love this stuff. And because I love it, I, I see its flaws. And maybe I've been slathered with Syracuse. I don't know. But the but it's <laughs> really, it, there's, there's, there's elements of this of like, when I say like, you don't love this as much as I do, or you don't need this to be as good as I do. Like Hulu, the service is pretty good. I mean, really, it's all of the TV stuff we need mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy to just say, obviously, record all episodes of Devs, but also record, you know, anything that's available on the service. Just grab all of those from now on. Want to watch some MSNBC? So, like, I, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because it's not Apple's fault per se. But like, you know, I, I would like to be able to use a TV in much the same way John Syracuse does, which is I will evaluate how well this works by a pretty basic metric is how do I go from not watching TV to watching TV in the shortest time possible? And like, if I have to go, like, why can't I just hit a, why can't I just have bring up Chris Hayes or why can't I just bring up devs? Well, you kind of can, but if you say the wrong thing, as, as you'll hear in this rectifs that I'll mention and for show notes, if you say the wrong thing, it might start playing a song. Or it might start it might start playing the wrong version, or it might it if it misunderstands you. So now you're back to being a caveman with that remote trying to get around. And now, so uh, Hulu and uh, the TV app, 
things like at HBO, Amazon Prime, forgive my saying, those are some of the worst apps that are available for Apple TV full stop. The Amazon Prime app, you have to click in a menu. You mm -hmm. can't glide from just right to left and have it update. No, you have to go tick, 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 click, tick, 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 click. Are you kidding me? What is this? We're using Windows in 1998? Like, what is happening here? There's that. You go look at that. So that Prime app, that sucks, man. Also, Apple TV. Hey, look, I can watch it on Prime. Guess what? When I click, oh, you have to have a Showtime subscription to watch this. Right. Okay. Could you have figured out that I don't have Showtime and maybe take that one out of the mix? Oh, it's okay. We'll go back to the TV app. You want to watch it on Stars? No. I never want to watch it on Stars. Like, what? Why do you? Why do you keep doing that? There's plenty of blame to pass around. HBO's app. First of all, streaming quality, dog crap. Like when, like watching Game of Thrones on that versus uh, UHD Blu-ray, believe me, big difference. All those things, super frustrating. Um, my favorite app right now is, in a lot of ways is Plex. My favorite app and service is Plex. Plex uh, is, a, is an app that lets you host and stream media that you own. And it's just, it's really very, very good and very, very easy and works in lots of different places. But it also hands com handles complexity in a way that would, blow the brains of all these other apps who can't figure out that I just want to watch MSNBC a lot of the time. Oh, well then go to, go to your favorite channels. Why don't you just know that that's my favorite channel and not make me navigate a, a, like 40 inches of horizontal menu to get to where I'm supposed to go. Right. Whoopsie, you let go too soon and now you're on live TV. But guess what? It's not actually on live TV until I click. I'm just previewing live TV. Okay, that's, that's all garbage. With Plex, me and about seven of my friends, I can look at their plexes. I can look at my plexes. I can do what's called pinning. And pinning is a way to say this set of movies or TV shows or home movies or cat videos, I want to always be in the left bar. And if, if my friend in Portland has a movie collection that I want to be there, guess what? I can put that there. Think about the complexity of that. Think about handling a media library of movies, music, TV, photos, and home videos plus any ad hoc groups you've created for many, many different installations of an app in different parts of the country. But it creates this very simple interface, but powerful interface for getting through all of those things. The interface looks mostly the same, whether you're using it on your Mac, whether you're using it on Apple TV, um, whether you're using that on, on, uh, on a Roku. It works great for all those things. Isn't it ironic that, that that company and that product, that service, to me anyway, my taste, works so much better than some of the largest corporations in the world, what they're making and saying, well, this is our best idea of how a TV works. It's crazy frustrating. You mentioned earlier about that, that you've got a hard drive, you're spinning your 4K movies on as opposed to streaming them. Is that through Plex? No. Um, it could, I guess it could be, because um, of course now Plex also has all kinds of stuff like D DLNA, all the different discoverability, PNP, all that stuff. But no, all I do is I... Um, David, this is so lame. I rotate these the same way I would rotate a backup. So every week or so, I just swap out a drive that I keep at work with the drive that I keep at the house. And I just, it's USB 3, just plugs right into the TV. There's a slot right there for USB. So then sure. there's an app for that. It's not pretty. It's actually really ugly and only alphabetical. But then I can pull up all these different movies uh, right there inside the LG thing. Um. What else was I going to say about that? So, I mean, it's interesting because, like, it's, it feels like we're in another well, a final, one, maybe one final liminal period, which is when is Apple going to admit that they're not into this particular thing as much as they said they were? 
right? That's that's kind of I feel like a little bit where we are now. We know services needs to be big. I guess some people love Apple TV Plus, and or like you guys like the Space Show. I heard that's good, mm-hmm. but like um, I don't feel a huge effort when I think of an effort or I think of a sacrifice. I think of the idea of like, what am I going to cancel to make this good? What am I going to do this? Like I can risk having this thing be one tenth as good as it is or 10 times better than it is. What are a handful of things that I'm just not going to do anymore to make this thing great? And I do not have confidence right now that any of the Apple stuff is that I I think one day they're going to wake up and realize everybody wants something different than this. They, I think I, how long are they continue to burn so many cycles on deals with uh, with studios and stuff? I mean, I I don't know. Is it going to be worthwhile? Well, it doesn't feel like you got your best minds on it right now, and I think it's it could be great. So I don't know. The other side of this, the 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 lesson to take away from it also is you know that phrase they use in development: you're not going to need it. I wonder how much stuff I should say to myself: I don't really need that. Do I need to really have this level of complexity to all these things? Maybe it does make more sense to spend $150 a month on cable and just buy a TiVo. Well, now the TiVos actually aren't even all that great anymore. So worse and more diverse. I don't know. I want it to be great. And that's why I'm picky about it. Yeah. I'll tell you the stuff that keeps me on Apple TV is some of the integration stuff. Like whenever we have family over, we run those memories in the photos app mm-hmm. on Apple TV and it's great, you know, and a lot of people in my family love seeing old pictures of themselves and the little movies it generates. And the integration with the music is another thing. I, uh, I work from home many days and one of my favorite things is to put one of my iTunes playlists on the TV cause it's connected to the good Sono speakers and have good music. But it's like that kind of stuff keeps me, but I'm with you. I do think that like the job of being a TV it has a long way to go. And I, I just recently, I just been increasingly frustrated with the remote. It's just so often I accidentally scrub. And that seems Absolutely. like the, the one thing a remote should, should never do is when you touch it, accidentally move the playhead. That's just like, how does that exist? Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> it is, it seems like a pretty monumental screw up and, uh, and it, they just keep shipping it, you know? So. I, bought a, I bought a little rubbery jacket for it <clears throat> and I, I, I swear by that. So even in a fairly dark room, you can sort of see that like, oh, this bottom area where there's orange rubber <laughs> is where you grab and not the section that's black at the top. It's unconscionable to me that they would make that thing so Kubrickian where like there's no, there's no apparent up or down and it's symmetrical. It's crazy. But I guess also for the three people that use it for video games, it also needs to be a video game controller. So that, you know, that hugely went into their design decisions probably. Yeah. I, um, I'm trying to think of the other stuff as far as integration stuff. Like I like stuff like where my family hates this, but I'll be like, Oh my God, you got to see this dog or you've got to see this TikTok, or you've got to see this little short thing. And I'll throw from my phone there. I love stuff like that. Oh yeah, we do that but a, too. But a very common uh, thing for me is I just, I'm going to um, have a sort of a at home chores day and I want to just walk around the house. Sometimes I'll wear headphones, but more often I just want to be able to throw to something that will go throughout the house. Now I'm, 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 I, I have a home pod that I like. Okay. I don't see myself buying enough home pods to do what I'm about to describe, which is to say to the lady in a tube, play KQED upstairs or play KALW upstairs or play um, churches, the mother we share from Spotify upstairs, right? Or 
I could say, um, I could say stuff like I can do the, the hailing. I can use it in air, as an intercom from room to room or here at my office. I might want to say, play this on office speakers. And now a bunch of, now this is not going to be like, I don't even know the name of an expensive stereo anymore. It's not going to be super high end audio, but multiple um, devices throughout my house are going to play that music or podcast and it's synced perfectly. It's, and it's all so inexpensive. It didn't cost, I mean, HomePods ain't cheap. I, I get, if they were 50 bucks, if they were a hundred bucks, I'd buy more. Mm-hmm. But like, I just don't, if, and if Siri worked, <laughs> there's so much of the time where it, it successfully, but one thing that HomePod is great at is assuming that it's the one you're talking to. So no matter how quietly I try to talk to my, my watch or my phone, it's always the HomePod that goes, Hey buddy, I'm here. I heard you. And you're like, yeah, but I was talking to the other guy. Cause there's a bunch of stuff you can't do. And whenever you do that, then I can't do the thing I wanted to do. I can't find that on Spotify. I can't do that right now. Sorry, Dave. But, uh, but that's, that's, you know, so, I mean, sort of these commodity cheapy speakers that come in, um, the Amazon, it works fine for like listening to all things considered throughout the house. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mind paying a premium for stuff, but I do want it to be like just extremely good. If it's going to be that costly. Yeah. I think it's hard to justify the HomePod's cost, <laughs> even on sale, right? It's on sale all the time at Best Buy. Even then it's tricky. Yeah. Or like, is it OWC or somebody had a big sale on this not too long ago? How many, well, I don't want to embarrass you, but like, do you guys have multiple HomePods? Mm-hmm. I think oh, you yeah. said you did, David. Really? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. You're kidding. We're, we're all in. Oh yeah. Okay, we, cool. we wanted to call out to it. It's for stereo pairs or for smart device around we ha- We have one stereo pair and I've got one in my studio and uh, then we've got one in the bedroom. So we're, we're way in, but, uh, and I, I have that thing. Wow. What about you, Steven? Same, same. Uh, we've got three. I don't have any studio pairs. It's just one in the office, one in the kitchen and one in the bedroom. Okay. But I, I do love that thing of walking around because I am home alone often. And I, I, this is uh, showing my age. You guys remember the movie Xanadu? <laughs> Of course. Great. You kidding, there's you a great, me? great, great part movie. in there. Gene Kelly, he had a, like a record player on a staircase. I, I remember this vividly because as a kid, I thought it was amazing. He put <laughs> a record from, on. That's from his jaunty scarf period, if memory yes. serves. Well, he, he never <laughs> he was stopped also in his Viva jaunty Knievel scarf with period. Evil uh, you know, <laughs> Gene had that scarf on the whole the whole run. But the uh, but anyway, he puts a record on it and it plays throughout his house. And I was this little kid and I'm like, that is amazing. Oh, yes. You know? So to this day, I love it. I play music, podcasts, whatever. As I'm walking through the house, I hear it all through the house. And and I bought them on sale and, I, you know, whatever over time. It wasn't like I went out and bought them all at once. But I, I really like that. Uh, I agree with the, you know, you can't convince me that Siri doesn't need a lot of work because I, I, that's the one I live every day. You talk about you're a pro Apple TV user. I'm a pro HomePod user and it makes me right. crazy some days. But but I do like the sound. <laughs> at, least, and, at least it's not mishearing your Italian in the house. Oh, no. It, it, I was on the phone with Stephen <laughs> the other Federico day. Federico sounds like a ghost lives in his. That was so weird. <laughs> I, Stephen can attest to this. I was on the phone with Stephen and Mike one day. We were talking about some business. And then it said, okay, I'll text so-and-so about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> escape, escape, escape. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my gosh! It, it needs so much work, but the uh, I I like the sound, and I'm all in with Apple. The sound is trem- I mean, the sound is yeah. really tremendous, and it makes me I don't know whether it's noticing how res- how big the bass is and 
contemporary music or how thin the bass was in 80s music, but sometimes I'll put on a fairly recent song, especially if it's even vaguely like a hip-hop song, even like a Billie Eilish or something, and there's no volume I can... <laughs> this is such a micro-early problem. There's no volume I can listen to it at that's not too loud. You know, like the way you can't get your phone low enough like in, yeah. with, for the light sometimes? But like, yeah. be, like if I listen to like... Um, what was I listening to recently? Something very... Uh, the, the bass was monstrous from this tiny little speaker it's a wonder of physics that that thing does what it does well the the other thing is i really like apple's kind of privacy model and i'm not convinced Mm -hmm. i I, i'm just not and you don't have to write me your email about this i get it but i'm just not sold on amazon having a microphone in my house and Mm -hmm. that's i respect that that's just my weirdness i get it you don't need to convince me either way i get it but i just but then I see, you know, Apple hasn't been super great about that either. But I, I do feel like it's definitely not in their interest to listen to me where with Amazon it is. Mm-hmm. But that's just my own oddness. Yeah, I, I have to say I do really, I'm still bracing. Well, I don't know. I used to, there's a phrase I used to use. That's uh, not very, very cool. But um, InfoSec 9-11. I've always kind of been waiting for the like, guess what? All of the exhaustive life information of every member of Congress is on GitHub right now, or it's on some you know server somewhere. Like that never happened in a way where I thought, like, wow, I can't believe there's never been such a huge, like, even like a MySQL meltdown or something where that would happen. And I feel like I'm still as terrible as so much of the the data uh, theft or carelessness has been, just leaving stuff in open AWS containers, all that kind of horrible stuff you hear about. Like I'm still kind of I'm still kind of bracing for that, you know, and. Um, I don't know. I, I'm much more skeptical than I used to be. Well, let's put it this way. We, uh, David, you and I have almost argued about this, I think, a little bit in the past where we were talking about Google. And there was a time where you were very adamant about not using Google for like hardly anything. And I think what I said was, well, in the case of Gmail, um, I do feel like that is pretty unimpeachably a service where I get whatever they're doing, it feels like I'm getting value out of it, which is, which is a little bit of a black swan. Because there's so much stuff where I'm really questioning if I'm getting the value out of this. And that includes a lot of, like, cameras that I've bought in the past and kind of liked. Uh, But I'm not sure. I don't know if I'd buy a new Ring doorbell at this point. I don't know if I would buy a new Nest Cam at this point or a Canary. There's just a whole bunch of... When we had to get a camera for our lizard, we got the kind that you could stream, but, like, it would go to an SD card if you wanted to be able to watch back on anything. You know, that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I, I am finding myself being more skeptical of that than I used to be. And not least because a lot of people who make this stuff won't have it in their house, which feels a little bit telling. Yeah, that that's real comforting. <laughs> well, these people, like, we have a dear friend, um, one of my, my kid's first best friend, whose parents started a well-known San Francisco tech company. Um, she goes to Waldorf and isn't allowed to use a lot of screens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you hear about all these folks at Google that are like, yeah, yeah, my kid plays with blocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. we don't even look at TVs at the mall. Like, get away. Just don't look at anything. And you're like, hmm, what do they know that I don't know? You know, like if you if you, an autom- if you knew an automobile mechanic, or better still, let's say you knew an automobile designer who refused to get in a car. Like, you'd be like, hmm, that's interesting. What does he, what, what does he or she know that I don't know? Yeah, the last time I went to an airport, I just wanted to have a sandwich, and there wasn't a single table that did not have a screen bolted Newark. to it. Newark. 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 Was it Newark? Um, I, I'm trying to remember. Have you been through Newark? I think it might have been Chicago. But oh, my God. Newark is 
oh, I don't like touching. I don't like it when I have to sign someone's phone for Instacart. And every seat where you can sit, this is, this is so, so CGP Grey, every, or anti-CGP Grey, every single place you can sit in this giant Uber food court in the worst airport in America, uh, it's, has an iPad screen, a filthy, filthy, and there's all these people sitting there eating airport French fries and looking at, and, and, and swiping around on iPads. Can you think about that for, think about that for a minute. This wasn't the iPad. It was some weird thing blasting advertisements at me. Oh, I guess no. I was putting a jacket over it. I was yeah, like, it was, so, it was I don't even want to look at it and then burn the jacket. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Clean My Mac X makes it easy to optimize your Mac and maintain its peak performance. It has a bunch of useful features like system junk removal and space lens, which lets you see a size comparison of all your folders to detect those that are taking up too much space. Clean My Mac X is one of the best investments you can make to get your old Mac working as good as new. It's different from your average Mac optimization tool because it has real-time malware monitoring built in. It works in the background, scanning your Mac for potential threats and notifying you if anything is detected. And it's just great for lots of stuff, well beyond security. It's helpful when uninstalling apps from your Mac because it removes the app and all that leftover data to help you avoid digital clutter. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple, so you know it's been checked by Apple for malicious components. Get Clean My Mac X today with a 30% discount at macpaw.com MPU. That discount is only valid until April 4th at macpaw, M-A-C-P-A-W dot com slash M-P-U. Anyway, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, we're, we're drifting, but the, uh, yeah. uh, you know. Apple TV, go get one. HomePod, yeah, it's terrific. Check it out. <laughs> Please remember to like and subscribe. There, there is stuff, you know. But I guess the point I would make is, even though there is a lot of problems with this hardware, and Apple does need to put more effort into it, they, you know, the idea of having a unified platform and having this stuff work across, if if done right, there's such an advantage to that. Like you mentioned, uh, uh, showing stuff to your TV from your phone. Like one of the favorite things we do in our household is whenever my kids are all home, they uh, hit their, you know, they, they take their phones and they put the most current memes on the TV for me. They keep me current, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. I'll, we, we have I get so a lot much of, fun with My that. kid loves TikTok so much. I see so much TikTok now. It's just, yeah. no, I agree. That That's all really good. But here, let's just, you know, small compliment that I'll find a way to distort into some kind of a terrible remark is that um, one of the kind of uh, vaunted promises of Siri Oh, gosh, Stephen, you're going to have to help me remember. But the thing where Siri learns from you, let's like, especially let's just focus on just iOS, just your phone, right? So what was that called? The predictive, like, we'll show you more stuff at the right time. Right. Like, oh, at 10 o'clock, you always do this thing. So I'm going to show it to you. Exactly. Yeah. I forget what the, the, okay. It's very hit or miss. That's available in every app. Okay, so I mean, like pretty much you go into and go review your settings, you'll probably find that you flipped on that let Siri learn from how I use this mm-hmm. for pretty much every app on your phone, mostly. Now, sometimes that works. And when I say sometimes, I mean it blows me away to notice that I, that I tend to use Grubhub around lunchtime. That's cool. <laughs> There's that. And that's 
almost it. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it'll go like, here's a shortcut you seem to use this time of day. Absolutely no idea how, why, when, whether it determines that, but more importantly, why it doesn't determine other things. Like how does it not know so much stuff? I am such a creature of habit. I do so much stuff exactly the same way. It knows I like Twitter because that's always in the upper left under, you know, when I do a uh, pull down from the top. But like I, you know, the thing where you're, it's supposed to say, do you, you've got a meeting coming up. Do you want, do not disturb, turn right. it on. I've got it twice ever. Yeah. And I record at least four podcasts a week, plus have pickups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've gotten, I've got, I've had meetings on, I've never even been bugged by it. I've had it work once and I can't figure out for the life of me how to tell it, please. What I want to say is please turn this on automatically for the love of God. But also like, how does it not learn? Like, how, does that, do you guys get that? Do you get the like, for example, do you get the, shall I turn on D&D? Be, D, do not disturb because it looks like you have a meeting. The, the only time, the only, ever, it's series suggestions is the name of it. I've only got it. Thank you. Twice. I've got it where, oh, tomorrow's a holiday. Do you want to adjust your alarm that goes off at 630 every morning? And I get it at my therapist office because I put my phone in do not disturb while I'm there. And that's the only place it triggers, but it's not smart enough. If I drive by it and it's not on my calendar and I, you know, get out of the truck later, I have it on my lock screen. It's like, oh, you were there at the red light. Do you want to put, it's like, Come on, Siri, you know right. everything that's on my phone. Like, just just be well, better. Because then what you should also notice is, like, I think it's cool that it says stuff. I love stuff. I actually do love stuff like, hey, you know, do you still want to keep getting these reminders? I think that's cool. Like, mm-hmm. I like that I can say that. I like that I can click and go to manage. But, like, I mean, I've looked at, for example, you go in and look at screen screen time. There's all kinds of information that Apple has and that developers have. All kinds of information about what I use how often I use it, when I use it, where I use it. I think it's mostly, like I say, on device. It's hopefully not getting passed around too much. But and but then, you know what else you know? You know what I click on and what I don't click on. You know when I do and don't click on things, right? That, 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 that to me feels important. I know developers get a lot of data about how the app is being used. And it allows Marco to be able to say things like, well, this feature that a lot of people claim they like is only used by this percentage of people on this particular OS, like he has a pretty detailed amount of, and that's Marco, the guy who doesn't want to know anything about you, but he has enough to know like how to improve his app. Well, if you know that I almost always do exactly this one thing in this one way at this one time, given this one context, like there's not that much inference that needs to be done. You could just notice that I launched this a lot in the morning. Like, but I, I would love to see so much more of that. And I, I don't know why see, I'm complaining again now. But that's frustrating to me because I do feel like that's an easy win. And it's just, it's so bewildering to me when I go in and I do my occasional little kind of self audits of like, okay, how much stuff do I really want to share with all these different people? And I go and I have basically a monthly date with myself where I go in and turn off as much stuff as I can that I think I don't need. And whenever I get to that serious suggestions area, I'm like, how is it that I can have this unconscionable number of recently updated apps on here, but I, I don't personally see what the result of any of that is. David, you're, you're being quiet. Do you get this? No, no, I just, I was thinking about a similar problem I have with the Siri watch face. It's the same thing. It's like you, every month or two, I delude myself and turn it on thinking <laughs> this is when it's going to tell me my OmniFocus tasks. <laughs> I like the, I like the idea of this. <laughs> yeah, but it just, it just never delivers. I mean, it seems like it doesn't have any intuition and it should have a lot. And like, I, I have never seen it because I think it was two iOS ago that they said, okay, now it's going to have 
third parties, you know, can plug into it. And, you know, I've enabled OmniFocus. It never, it has never shown up. It's just, I don't know. And then I was also thinking as you were talking, what is, we all like to, to take shots, but what is the answer to this? I mean, if you, if you were Tim Cook today, someone gave you his job. Yeah. What steps would you take? Well, I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the thing is, this is, we see this played out all the time in all kinds of stuff in our life where, and if there's anything Steve knew, it's that like, like I'm not, I'm not going to take your comment card to figure out how to make my stuff great. Like, I, I don't need that. Like, I'm going to make this in the way that it makes sense to my taste and our taste. And like, it's going to be a good thing. But there do feel like things that are low hanging fruit. And, I, you know, I learned a long time ago that one anti-pattern there's one, there's one particular anti-pattern that a lot of people misunderstand, which is the like, um, I have this thing that I want that I assume lots of other people want. So why don't you put that right in the middle of the app, like where I want it? Well, there's a million things there. Like, have you really thought through how that would work? Like, are you really sure that many people want it? You know what I'm saying? There's all these things where yeah. you're like, well, you know, this is the way I like my sandwich. Like, why would I not put an egg on every sandwich? You're like, well, not everybody likes eggs on every sandwich. Well, that's weird. Put eggs on every sandwich. Well, no. So then you fall into like, okay, well, can you put it in the preferences? And you're like, yeah, I mean, there's some things I can put in preferences, but if I took every, if my response to this was to just keep like adding rooms onto my house, anytime somebody wanted something to happen, that really gets in the way. You have to, this is why the Eero app is great, for example, is because they're, they've been very thoughtful about figuring out what stuff needs to be where and what way. And it's very easy to interact with. But so I don't, I don't want to make that mistake of saying that, but I, I, right now, all I'm really asking for is a way of saying like, you know, when we talk about things like the trade-offs and values, like, hey, you know, if you're, I want you to learn from me. How can I, how can I cue you device and apps that I would welcome more of this, right? So like Twitter, this is very frustrating, but on Twitter, there's a lot of times where you'll click on something that's dumb and it says see less often. And you're like, I don't think that's attached to anything. Like I, I don't feel like I've seen much stuff less often. And yes, Twitter, I do always want the latest tweets at the stop at the top. Stop, stop switching away from that. Right. That kind of stuff. Um, but I, I would like, to, I would like to be able to say to it, like, you know, it's okay if you want to learn from this. It's okay if you want to notice that I have a lot, for example, obvious one. How about, a, how about a, an occasional thing where it, it says uh, at, a, at an easy moment, it pops up and says, uh, you get a lot of notifications from this app that you haven't launched in a long time. And you also don't click on those notifications. You either ignore them or you dismiss them. And it turns out that that's actually the most notifications you get in a given week is from that app that you don't open anymore. Do you want me to take care of that for you? Yes or no? Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Like just notice what I'm doing, my desire path that I tend to follow. And then please, you know, find ways to take care of that for me. I almost feel like it's the problem that, that, that I see through this. It's just an inability to quite finish on some of these promises. It's like the idea of series suggestions is a great one. And it feels like they got to a certain level and they didn't mm -hmm. go that extra level that they needed. And you see that in a lot of different services and granted it's a big company and they're doing a lot, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to email me, but <laughs> I, I do think they really you didn't could... you want to walk up to that line of they've got a trillion dollars. They should fix everything. No, it, I, you I never get owned it. a business. Have you? It, you exactly. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. But I do yeah. think though, that there's these obvious situations where they just don't quite finish some of this stuff. And, and I, I hear it with people making shortcuts where it's like, 
shortcut works until you get to one little complication that I feel like it could have been addressed or, you know, the, the suggestions, it works to a certain level, but doesn't go further. Same thing with Siri. I mean, Siri just needs more, a little more effort. And it's so easy to say, and I know yeah, people at I Apple know. listen to the show and they're banging their heads, but, but it, from an outside perspective, it does feel to me like they could go just a little bit further with the stuff and get, make so much more progress. And that's more important at this point, I think, than adding new stuff. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Well, we solved all of Apple's problems. I guess yeah. we're good. Yeah. Well, who else can we help today? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, Merlin, man, I love having you on the show so much. I, I appreciate every time you come back. You you are uh, the, what is it, the Alec Baldwin of MPU? You've been on the most? I love being here. I love doing it. I'm sorry I'm in such a crabby mood, but society is falling apart today as we record this. If this ever gets out, if this ever is released... This will get released. Yeah, okay. put it on the Paul that uh, on the Carl Sagan record. You know, send it into space with the naked dude. Stephen, do you find that do you find that plaque confusing? If you were an alien, and you saw that plaque. Would you understand what's happening in it on the the Voyager? Because we're supposed to see like there's naked people by a spaceship for scale, but like, right. don't you think it's kind of confusing? I mean, maybe if you're advanced enough to capture a Voyager out of the sky, then you can figure it out. I don't know. I, what I do find. I do find the Voyager golden records. I find them upsetting on a existential level. Like we just shot them into the universe forever. That worries me. Yeah. You think we should send more of them or fewer? I, I, I don't think we, I, I don't know. It's just, it's like send something different. What if we sent, what if we sent, just hear me out. Okay. This is not going to be cheap, but what if we just sent out 1000 copies of uh, CW McCall's hit song convoy? And just let them figure it out. Just shoot them and shoot them into space. Yeah, eleven long-haired friends of Jesus in a chartreuse microbus. Nothing's going to get in our way. Got a bear in the air. You know what I'm saying? Let them figure it out. I'm not sure putting naked people next to an Apollo thing is going to be that useful for Gleepglorp. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, those those things are going to outlast all of us, right? Yeah. The, the, eventually, the sun will swallow the Earth, and Voyager will still be out there holding the golden record. Doesn't it have like a Chuck Berry song on one of them? I think so. I'm going to put some stuff in the show notes. People can go. Yeah, it's, I wish you it's would. like the record, you can spin it and it shows you the speed you should spin it. And it has, it's full of images as well. So you can see what life on earth was like in the like, 70s. Like a zoetrope? Oh, that's wild. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I just want people to be happy. You guys stay alive. <laughs> and you know, even if you just get one copy of CW call calls convoy, it's a very good song, but thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh, David, take us home. <laughs> well, uh, Merlin, man, like I said, it is a pleasure having you on. Gang, you can hear Merlin over on Reconcilable Differences, also on the Mighty Relay Network. Um, you're also over on Back to Work. And uh, where else can people find you these days? Yeah, that's plenty. That's plenty. Uh, right. <clears throat> listen to uh, Reconcilable Differences, though. I, uh, I get basically beat up every two weeks by uh, this very aw awkward kind of gawky guy. Uh, named John Syracuse. And uh, it's a delight. And if you, uh, he sharpens me like a knife and it's a show that I absolutely love doing. Uh, I'll never tell him that, but yeah, but check out all the great shows. Relay has many, many great shows. And and we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Uh, check out the forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com. Thank you to our sponsors today. One password, smile, hover, and clean my Mac. And we'll see you next week.